2: Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast for one week season. We are, believe it or not, and I always hate when people do that, but it really is kind of amazing that we're already at week 13 of a season we didn't know that we would even get to enjoy. I find it very interesting, the complaints on Twitter. Oh my gosh, this problem, that problem. I mean, When you listen to Twitter before the season, it was, boy, if I could just have one game this year, one week, I'd be so happy. And now we've had, um, you know, a few problems, um, a few inconveniences, uh, no doubt. But honestly, the season has gone a lot more healthy uh, than I think most people had any right to expect. Um, with the COVID spike in the nation, it's not surprising that we're having these problems with the NFL, but I, for one, am very thankful for another week where I get to play, play DFS, talk about DFS, and hopefully win at DFS. Last week was a pretty good week for me. It was in the, red, uh, the black. Um, n- n- no, you know, I, I think I came in 35th in the first down after coming in right In seventh last week at two or three really good teams. I had, I was overweight on Henry and Hill, but only had a couple lineups with both and I just didn't get there. So um, another week, let's try and go. I've got a lot of suggestions. I I, I know I've got some pretty strong opinions on the week that line up with what JM has been talking about. Hilo always comes, brings it, has his opinions. Sometimes we all rejoice, as in Aaron Jones week, and sometimes we sit back like the guy from the Simpsons and go, <laughs> hee um when it's Mike Glennon week, and he gets that right, but he gets the receivers wrong. So I, I got to give him credit. Um, Glennon played much better than I expected he would. I thought it was going to be a flame-out Sam Darnold week, but it wasn't. And I am, for one, very interested to see who Mark is going to be on this week. Mark, welcome back to the show. And I did it again. What's up, man? Hey. Were were you hearing me at
3: least? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you the whole time.
2: So, um, Uh... Mike Leone was talking about Frank Gore. Today, so I don't think we'll 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 hit that level of low um, this week, Mark. But uh, you always keep me on my toes. I got to admit. Um, uh, I also have to say, congratulations in person are in order for getting a new puppy. Um, I know it was a big week for you, and uh, nothing else big happened, correct? Yeah, yeah, nothing else. Nothing else. So how is the new baby? Congratulations on the new baby. Uh, you know, you couldn't just play DFS, right half the edge, have a baby. You had to throw in getting a puppy into the mix. My first question for you tonight, Mark, is what the fuck's wrong with you?
3: Dude, so we had been planning this for a long time, because we moved to Arizona with three dogs. We had since had to put two of them down. Um, one because couldn't rehome her and she was aggressive. She was a rescue. She was aggressive with our kids and I wasn't about to have my kids get hurt after she bit me. The second one was old age and so we we're left with one dog. So we'd planned on getting the kids a puppy that they can grow up with uh, for Christmas and the breeder told us that she would hold the puppy until it got closer to Christmas, and that changed. So we were like, uh, we'd already put a deposit on this dog, and so we ended up just going to get it. just kind of worked out that way. Uh, probably the best timing in the world, uh, but we made it work.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm sure you had no mishaps week one. What's that? I'm sure you had no mishaps week one with the new dog. Oh, no, not at all. No, dude, Is that him in the background?
3: Absolutely. Or is that one of the kids? It is. Little what kind of dog? What me. kind of dog is it? It's a golden puppy. Uh, we I wanted somebody, golden. or yeah, we wanted a dog that was good with kids. Obviously. Uh, hold on.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> obviously, very good with kids. Oh yeah, he's. Uh, last night was his first night in the house, and obviously he's a puppy, so we had to do the crate thing, and he cried the entire night. So that was uh, that was great.
2: I I heard that he got out for a little bit. Uh,
3: Did that go well? Yeah, dude. So halfway through the night, my wife was like, I can't take it anymore. Obviously, she's up every hour and a half feeding the baby. So the sleep that she gets is either interrupted or non-existent. She's like, I can't take it anymore. So I brought the puppy in the crate upstairs. That didn't go well. And so I brought the puppy into bed. And that went great for me as I slept the next two hours soundly until I was woken up to my wife saying that he just pissed all over her side of the bed. So that was a, <laughs> a failed experiment.
2: Your your wife is a trooper, my friend. She's an angel, man. That's Absolutely awesome. angel. All right. So we are ready to actually talk football. I think Mark, um I think that we agree that um uh, th- this slate there there's a couple keys what is your key to the slate this week the key this to the big slate picture for me is without the running names
3: back. yeah yeah is the big picture is the running back position so we obviously have chalk that's going to form in two specific tiers at the running back position. And that's really the, the biggest identifiable chalk outside of well I guess the Houston passing game as a whole. Um, And then obviously the one cheap tight end that we'll obviously talk about later, but there there's really not any other areas where there's clear chalk and we're going to see, you know, ownership at the quarterback position is going to be fairly spread out. And then the wide receiver position behind the Houston pass game and Devontae Adams is pretty much going to be spread out as well. So I think the slate is a little bit higher emphasis on absolutely nailing the running back position. Yep. Yep. Uh, hold on.
2: I can't tell. Uh, keep, uh, keep talking
3: for a sec. Yeah. Uh, in my spare time, I like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah.
2: So do you want me to get into the running
3: back position real quick? Um, well,
2: no, I was I, just trying okay. to figure out uh, something, but all right. So let me throw my key thought in and then we'll uh, get into, I think we will attack running back first. So one of the things that JM hit from the beginning of the week until the end. And by the way, I, I didn't announce the rest of the show. Uh, I haven't heard from Lex. I just reached out to Lex. I'm not sure we're going to have the Lex's more segment today. Um, and then I, at nine o'clock or you might have to stay until nine. If Lex doesn't come, uh, we're going to have women in uh, sports with uh, Rosalie Michaels, the fantasy girl and Sam R. Holt, who got a shout out from, Uh, Matthew Berry today so um, you know I'm looking forward to that we're going to talk about the highs and the lows of women trying to break into what has always been a pretty male-dominated industry and um, and Lex just said he pulled a high low he thought it was Friday he'll be on so all right so we're gonna have uh, Lex as well you know it's always something on the run to daylight show folks if I'm not getting shot at You know, my my guests uh, think it's Friday or, you know, April's Fools or anyway. So my my keys for the slate, Mark, are the fact that it's pretty much a bad chalk week. Right. I ran the optimizer um, using blenders theory. And I, you know, I first I ran it then I ran it with just basic, um, you know, generic one wide receiver and tight end and bringing back one of uh, a wide receiver tight end or running back from the other team. And I got a, a, a spread from about 144 down to 125. I took out five chalky guys that I don't really care if they're in my lineups, Mark, ran the optimizer again, and it was from 144 down to 121. Uh, that's with 150 lineups, five percent max at the quarterback position. So, to me, this week is really, really easy. It's fade the you know what is mo- you know mo- mostly chalk because that's what happens whether there's good plays or not. JM talks about it all the time, and I just think that. Um, you know, leveraging the chalk, uh, there's some good options, and I know you'll, you'll have some suggestions. I have a few as well. But to me, this is a pretty easy week. Uh, but let's go through it. Let's start with the running back position. Right now, the chalky running backs are Dalvin Cook with his bad ankle, Derek Henry at 9,200, Austin Eckler at 7,100, And let me sort it by Devante Booker at 5,500 and James Robinson at 7,300. So um, all of those guys except, oh, and David Montgomery at 5,500. And, um, you know, David Montgomery week didn't work out too well for us last time, Mark. Uh, Is there anyone among that list that I just mentioned that, you feel is not bad
3: chalk. I would say the middle tier of Austin Eckler and James Robinson are lesser bad chalk. Obviously, you have a more established pass game role, particularly for Eckler, but also with James Robinson. Um, so the obviously that's going to elevate the floor and provide a non crater score where, you know, when compared to Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, when they flop, it's going to be a crater in your lineup. So also, as, as we explored in the end around, I, the chalk build is likely going to be one of Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and then one of the salary saver guys. Uh, obviously, the two most prevalent are the ones you mentioned. And then we also have Miles Gaskin at 5,900. So with that in mind, I don't think that there's going to be a large – Um, ownership on a chunk of two of the middle tier, if that makes sense. You know, it's either going to be Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry and one of the salary savers, or it's going to be, you know, Eckler, James Robinson, and a salary saver uh, with people who choose to bypass the top tier. So there's not going to be an overabundance of rosters this week, I think, that have two of those running backs in that middle tier. So what I've done, Mark, is for
2: I'm going to run a hundred lineups this week instead of seventy-five, um, and at, at least that's what it looks like right now. And I made a rule that I want at most one of David Montgomery, Devontae Booker, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, James Robinson, and Austin Eckler. I don't want more than uh, one of them in any lineup. Now, I don't feel bad about James Robinson and Austin Eckler. Um, I, I, you know, Dalvin at over 9,000 with a a bad ankle. Um, Derek Henry at 9,200, when we've seen him, you know, have so many weeks that aren't good, um, I feel, and David Montgomery and Devonte Booker, I, I feel like I don't want more than one of those guys. And so what I'm going to do right now while we're on is, I, I meant to do this earlier and I didn't. I am going to click uh, the 150 lineups. So, and I, I'm going to read off how that ownership on those guys comes out, Mark. But in general, I know you're not a um, – I know that's not how you play, but uh, thoughts on that rule, and then tell us who's in your lineups.
3: Yeah, I don't hate the rule. Obviously, um, I would feel fine having or playing. I think it's actually plus EV, uh, and it's one of the angles that I'll be attacking this week is playing two of that middle tier. Um, James Robinson, Eckler, Kamara, and Miles Sanders are the four that I'll be likely playing. Um, haven't decided on Kamara. Uh, he has a a uh, high leverage, but I don't think he's necessarily uh, a good play in a vacuum. So he'll, he'll probably be the one to fall out if one does fall out um, and probably just mixing and matching uh, those other three across the lineups. Uh, Cause I just think the leverage is too great there. Yeah. So who who is going to be in your lineup that you know of? Yeah. So right now I only have two of my four lineups built um and one of them is uh going double cheap at running back, which again I think is gonna be underowned uh as a roster construction um of David Montgomery and Miles Gaskin. And uh the other one is going to of these middle tier like we talked about earlier, and that's gonna have Austin Eckler and James Robinson.
2: Yeah, I uh I made so many rules and I didn't turn any of them off and I still got four games to go that the optimizer is only at 20%. So that's why I was kind of pushing you to keep talking. Um we'll have yeah. the results in a second here folks. But basically um you know, I'm going to I'm going to look and see how that I'm going to give you guys what I like to do and and then we'll you know, a lot of times with rules, what you do is you try them out and you see how, you know, like if I end up with 80% Derrick Henry with that rule or 50% of uh, Devante Booker, well, guess what? Then I've got to make more rules. Um, but let's see. Right now, doing that, I ended up with 50% Miles Gaskin, 25% Austin Eckler, 22% Dalvin Cook. 22% uh, Aaron Jones, 14% Devante Booker, 14% James Robinson, 13% Wayne Gallman, 10% Derrick Henry, and 10% Jonathan Taylor and a few guys underneath that. Only 2% David Montgomery. So one of the effects of doing that, Mark, is it did really take my David Montgomery down about where I want it um That's a little more Miles Gaskin than I want, and so um, probably a little more Dalvin Cook than I want, but the guy that's interesting to me is our old friend Aaron Jones, who's projected for only 3% ownership. Your thoughts on Aaron Jones this week?
3: Yeah, the ceiling is is always there with Aaron Jones, but I have to, with the... Snap share split that he's seeing with both backs healthy in that backfield, he's going to need these high efficiency games, and I kind of doubt that. Um, I think the perception on Philly is that they're less, uh, which they are, less of a pass funnel this year, but I mean, they really haven't faced opponents who look to the pass in the first place. So I don't know. I don't buy the narrative, I guess, is the best way to say it, that Philly is not a pass funnel defense anymore. Um, so, I mean, that benefits obviously Aaron Jones more than it does Jamal Williams. Um, But he's, I I have to question the efficiency uh, on likely 16 to 18 standard range of touches here.
2: Yeah. And I think 22%, you don't need to be that overweight. And and that's where the rule, you know, it caused a, a couple things. So I am, I am, you know, the two guys that I, didn't know whether I wanted to put into the, the rule, Eckler and Robinson. Um, they'll probably come out, and uh, I'm going to do that right now. Let's go back. Let's hit. What I
3: actually didn't like about the output of that opto was that Miles Gaskin was 55% because he is my oh, favorite oh, too running high. back on the slate. No, he's my favorite running back on the slate, um, and I don't want optimizers to be spitting his name out.
2: <laughs> oh, I got great. you, but but most people are not going to have that rule with with you know six of the um, you know six of the highest owned running backs being limited to one per lineup. Um, yeah, 100%. so I'm running it again with just the four, and let's see what that does. Uh, but explain to us while we're waiting what you like about Mr. Gaskin.
3: Yeah, so with Gaskin, we have already Salvin Ahmed, DeAndre Washington have been ruled out. We have Brita, who's on the COVID list. So the Miami backfield is down to Miles Gaskin, obviously, who's coming off of the IR, and Patrick Laird. Um, we know Gaskin has been used, utilized heavily in the past game um, with no fewer than four targets in every single game. Um, And we know that he is going to be the preferred red zone and goal line back uh, between he and Patrick Laird. The only thing that we don't know is the expected rushing load um, with him coming off the first game back from the IR. Why I'm so confident in the play is they gave him two weeks basically of the 21 days practice window uh, when you're activated off the IR to practice before coming back from injury. So, to me that says that they trust miles Gaskin to 100% carry the load. And we're likely looking at 80, 85% of the running back opportunities against Cincinnati now. And we expect Miami's defense to completely control this game with an either second or third string or perennial backup in at quarterback for the Bengals. Uh, So I'd expect, Miami to control the game on their defense. They have a 27-point implied team total, and Miles Gaskin to see a majority of the running back opportunities. And well, Mark 2, 900.
2: We we tend to agree. <clears throat> I mean, this time we agree. I Gaskin is uh, one of my favorite running backs on the week. I would say that Eckler and Robinson, I I, I like in a vacuum, you know, not including ownership, um, especially Robinson, but Um, Yeah, Uh, so I I think that that is good, and I'm running this with a bunch of rules that they all won't be turned on at the same time probably, but um, I do want to give people just a sense and again I should have turned off a lot of those to run this because now there we go. All right. So now Gaskins forty one percent, Eckler twenty-three, Cook twenty-two, Robinson twenty-two, Booker eighteen, Jones eighteen, Taylor fifteen, Henry fourteen, uh everyone else under ten. I kinda like that mix, Mark.
3: Yeah, I like that those numbers
2: uh quite a deal, actually. Yeah, yeah. I uh you know, uh we're not there yet, but um I think Chris Carson is interesting. I think you know, one guy who I think is I'm going to boost in certain situations. Um, is David Johnson is interesting to me? I, I haven't looked at his numbers now that he's now that he is. Uh, I want to look at his numbers, David Johnson, because you're going to see just a tremendous. Amount of ownership on that passing game for Houston, and one of the ways that they're likely to fail is if David Johnson snipes a couple touchdowns. And at fifty-four hundred, his his uh, let me get to his seventy-five percent. His seventy-five percent projection right now is sixteen point seven three, and is ninety. I'd buy that. Uh, It's 22.66. fifty four hundred equals 5,400 times 0.003 plus 7. All right. So uh, his target, unfortunately, you know, so his numbers don't work out good. Uh, Mm -hmm. So from a pure numbers perspective, but I, you know, I don't know that, that that projection is great based on the fact that he's been gone a few days and people don't know how much work he's going to get with the new system. But I do think that David Johnson is pretty good leverage this week.
3: Yeah. I've seen his name come up a couple times, uh, a couple times in the chat as well. Uh, and my kind of read on that situation is, God, I hope David Johnson scores two touchdowns because that means those touchdowns are not going to the Houston pass game, which I will be largely avoiding. Um, I just think it's more likely that Houston fail as opposed to the reason the Houston passing game fails is because of David, David Johnson. Um, in in the end around this week, I, I talked about if-then statements trying to force natural habit patterns when building lineups to get away from if then statements. And I would classify that as like a, an if then statement thinking. Did you have a chance to read the end around this week? I did. Okay. So, you know, a little bit what I'm talking about, because you probably would have been completely lost if I just led with that and you hadn't read it. Um, but yeah, so the if then statement for Houston would be the, the normal thinking would be if Houston past game fails, then that means David Johnson likely would have succeeded. And that's kind of how this pivot methodology to contrarianism has evolved DFS players to think. And I think that it's probably a good 70% solution, but it limits our thinking when we're building lineups and it leaves out, you know, the chances of the Houston offense just failing and nobody really providing a GPP winning score, if that makes sense. Correct. Uh,
2: And and I don't deny that. I don't think, you know, obviously from the numbers perspective, DJ isn't a great play, but he's projected at 1.4% ownership right now um, on one site. And let's look at the other. uh, 3% on the other. So, you know, again, it doesn't mean you have to have twenty percent, David Johnson. But um, you know, I, I I I certainly am not going to overly boost him. Let's look at his projection here versus what is there. Yeah, um, yeah. There's not much room to you know what I what I try and do is take the two projections that I pay for and. You know, the, the one I was using was already the higher one. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that, uh, that you know, your thoughts are pretty good ones. Uh, let's see. I think Kenyon Drake is another interesting name uh, at, in that 5700 range. And my favorite in that range is Jonathan Taylor. I've heard him mentioned by a few analysts this week. So I don't know that the 3% ownership he's, he's being projected for is going to be what he actually gets. Um, and also, Miles Sanders, who you mentioned, you know, again, what we're looking for is, you know, someone talented who people are down on, where if the game plays out under a different tributary than we think, we want to be have leverage on the field. And those are just some names, correct, Mark?
3: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Probably my favorite that you mentioned was
2: um, – uh, Taylor. Standby. No, I, I do like Taylor. Oh, Miles. Just, Miles. You Because you mentioned Miles.
3: Yeah, my, my favorite off the board probably be Chris Carson in that range. You know, he's only 6,300, which is not much more than this kind of lower – tier where we expect ownership to congregate. Um, So paying up a little bit more, I guess I would consider him a a middle tier, uh, which is probably part of the reason why I like him as well. Um, You know, Chris Carson against the Giants uh, with who the hell starting for the Giants this week? Colt McCoy. Yeah. So you have Seattle against Colt McCoy and we, we've seen the, the absurd pass rates from Seattle to start the year, we've seen those cool off of this. So, Chris Carson is a pretty solid option.
2: All right, so let's move to quarterback. Uh, we spent a lot of time on some theory and the running back position because it is key. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Mitchell Trubisky are I leading, love it. I love it, the running, uh, the quarterback, um, ownership, but neither one has a ton. You know, Ro- yeah. Rodgers like 12, Trubisky 10. Deshaun Watson, seven, uh, Cousins, seven, Fitzpatrick, seven. Um, the guy that i am got the most lineups with right now is Ryan Tannehill, who has five-and-a-half uh, ownership. And um, I, I also have a good bit of Kyler. And I, I think out of the chalky guys, Watson – you know, it gets you a chance to play a good bit of Cooks and uh, Kiki Kute without um, being too chalky because, you know, both those guys are supposed to have really high ownership, but Deshaun Watson only has 7% projected. So uh, right now I'm going double on Watson. Not that I love him or the receivers, and but. It, to me, uh, Watson's ownership is an
3: inefficiency. Everybody, you know, if if both uh, Cooks and Kute are going to be, you know, two of the top seven or eight owned wide receivers and Watson is not going to see heavy ownership, obviously one of those it has to give. So. Um, a good way to bet on that or to utilize leverage is to play Watson, and another way is to bet on that offense failing. So I don't dislike that at all.
2: Right. And so by the numbers at quarterback, uh, well, tell us who your favorite quarterback is, Mark, and uh, and your breakdown. My favorite
3: quarterback on the slate is another Ryan, and that's Matt Ryan. Um, we have uh, just over 21-point in Vegas implied team total for Atlanta, we have, we're expecting Julio Jones back, and we know that Atlanta's scoring per game bumps from 17 average points per game with only one of Julio or uh, Calvin Ridley in the lineup, all the way up above 22 with both of them in the lineup this year. And that's right in line with fair projections. We should expect Atlanta to score three touchdowns in this game. And if we're expecting Atlanta to score three touchdowns, it's likely that all three are coming through the air because of the matchup with New Orleans, who, you know, top one, two, or three, depending on what metrics you're looking at, run defense. Uh, So I really like Matt Ryan, and that's why I said earlier when you were saying that Mitch Trubisky is expected to be chalk, because Matt Ryan is 200 more than Trubisky down in this lower echelon of pricing. So I absolutely love Matt Ryan this week. Yeah, I've got –
2: I definitely have some Ryan – And um, I I haven't finalized my percentages yet. I I typically go through the whole show and um, and then, you know, kind of think about everything we talked about and everything from the week and uh, run the numbers one more time. But just from a perspective of um, the exercise that uh, I've been doing that I learned from Blender. Hold on a
3: second. Let me talk while you're finding that. Let me talk a little yeah, bit about that Ryan because I'm absolutely in love. So, we also have for New Orleans defense, Marcus Davenport is going to miss, and the over the last 2 years with Marcus Davenport either in or out of the lineup, the point per game differential that New Orleans defense has given up is almost 8 points greater per game without Davenport in the lineup. That is absolutely insane. Um, obviously, obviously top-edge pressure, one of the top-edge rushers in the league. Um, And then we also have um, arguably the top cornerback, at least from 2020 statistical metrics, um, who's going to miss this game in Janoris Jenkins as well. So two key injuries to the New Orleans defense, uh, which should allow Atlanta to force this game environment as a whole to be different than what the public is going to think this week.
2: Yeah, uh, very interesting. I um, I think that that is very interesting, and uh, I'm looking at one other thing. I'm tw- I'm tweaking based on what you're talking about. I, I I just put in some more Matt Ryan. So, all right, <clears throat> this is chance of hitting target score. Target score for those of you following at home on DraftKings is three times salary plus seven. So in Aaron Rodgers, uh, 6,800, what's an easy one? Is there an easy one?
3: Maybe about 20. All
2: right, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 6,000 times three is 18, um, plus uh, seven is 25. So, uh, and then you take his 50, 75, and 90 percentile uh, projection, I also uh, use that and and calculate 62 and 82. All right. So you subtract it from a hundred and that's your chance of hitting target. So I've got Tannehill at 23%, Kyler at 22, Matt Ryan at 22, Justin Herbert at 21, uh, uh, four guys, including Rogers, Fitzpatrick Hill, and Goff at 20 and Chalky Mitch Trubisky at 19 and Deshaun Watson at 19. So you would say from a you know purely numbers perspective, that's not a lot of difference, right? But when you that, that's where the ownership comes in. So it makes Rogers at 12% ownership uh, when you've got the other 20 guys at 6.2, 4.9 and 4.6. And then of course, you also want to look at the players in the stack and their uh, target. Uh, you know what it's not just in a vacuum but just to give you guys the sense of the, what I've been doing um, and it, it's been helping me to pick where I want to attack a little bit better um, is there any other quarterback that you want to talk about uh, Mike Glennon, perhaps
3: uh, hey you said you said kudos so we can't talk about Mike Lennon anymore
2: well I, I, I mean he played pretty good <laughs> I mean, you you, you really you really stuck Glennon's neck out on that one.
3: Oh yeah, dude, I have no problem. Uh, especially on a slate. So, explaining the Glennon play a little bit. A slate where.
2: No, don't so go back, back to a whole... the, the okay.
3: uh, we,
2: We're running low on time. Um, <laughs> right. Just tell me well, if you like him this week. To 10
3: minutes out of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so obviously uh, I am oodles of noodles over Matt Ryan. And then my probably my second favorite play on the slate is Kyler Murray and playing him naked.
2: Yeah, baby. So what I'm doing with Kyler is I will have Isabella uh, and Kirk boosted uh, so that there's a better chance that I pick up some of them in stacks, but I will have a big part of Kyler naked as well. I will also do that with Watson, um, rather than I uh, forcing a stack. I think. Uh, all right, so yeah. let's uh, let's go over to wide receiver. We've got now about thirteen minutes to do wide receiver, tight end, end defense. Uh, wide receiver for me. I mean, with Dalvin Cook banged up, you know. That rule that Xander Miroi uses, one Viking uh, in every lineup, I think, you know, this week for me, it's one of Thielen or Jefferson in every lineup. Mark, talk about your
3: favorite wide receivers. Yeah, so my favorite wide receiver, since I'm so high on Matt Ryan, um, I'm obviously going to be looking to pair him with one of his pass catchers. And that both those offenses, the pass offenses in that game, are highly concentrated and we know that Calvin Ridley has performed better in his career with Julio on the field. So I really like Calvin Ridley out of that game. And I really like bringing a mini game stack or a three person game stack back with Michael Thomas. Yeah.
2: Thomas is seeing an unusually high, uh, share of targets. So I like, I like the Julio uh, – you know, I, I've correlated Julio with uh, – I've definitely correlated Thomas with one of Julio and Ridley. Um, but with uh, Julio, I just boosted Thomas rather than forcing uh, Thomas because there's a pretty good chance that Taysom Hill misses – and it, you know the only scoring on that team tends to be, you know, if, if I told you the game ended up twenty eight twenty seven and Taysom Hill ran for two touchdowns, you'd look at me and, and you know and Kamara got one and, and Murray got one, you, you know that's very possible. So I'm not forcing uh, Julio onto, uh, I mean Thomas onto Julio, but if I get Thomas uh, in a lineup with Taysom. I do want Julio or Ridley. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Um, So let's go to a couple other wide receivers. Uh, The Rams' wide receivers, obviously, you you know, and this is what's interesting. Houston's wide receivers are not that great, Um, at at least according to, to what I'm looking at. They're not like, you know, a lot of times the chalk is way ahead of, the other, um, the other um, players, right? It's chalk for a reason. They're really good plays. It, uh-huh. it, it, right now, I am not seeing the Houston guys being this great play. My my, the best, the best chance guys right now for me are Jefferson, uh, uh, Isabella. Anthony Miller and Adam Humphreys uh, at 19. I've got Woods, Thielen, Perriman. at 18. Cootie, Cooks, Mims, Cup, AJ Brown, and Corey Davis. So you just heard me rattle off three Titans, uh, to, and and you already heard me say that uh, that and that's why I'm on Tannehill, is that you know his wide receivers and him are good. But my point, Mark, is the chalk normally, you know, is gives you a much better chance of success than the non-chalk. That's, that all the more makes it really easy for me to fade the
3: chalk this week. Yeah, and especially you look at the Texans, who have a 23.75 implied team total as three-point underdogs. I think that line is really low. I think Colts should be favored by a lot more, and we might see that line move uh, before games kick off. But then you look at a team like the Jets. Here we go again with the Jets. The Jets are projected for 19.5 points, so uh, four points less than the deal. It's approaching that magic number of 21, and the reason 21 is such a magic number for DFS is we can expect points to be scored with a team total over 21 points, uh, and that's historically speaking. But then you look at the the line, and the Jets are seven-and-a-half-point dogs. And so we, we can project a ceiling of about 33 to 36 pass attempts for the Texans, and the ceiling for the pass attempts for the Jets is actually higher. So we could see Darnold trickle up into the 36 to 40 range, and the Jets receivers are cheaper. So what I'm getting at is I don't understand how the Texans are chalk in a difficult matchup when you have a similar team in the jets whose wide receivers, primary wide receivers um, that are the downfield threats, kind of like cooks and Rashad Perriman and Denzel Mims are 4,100 and 3,900 respectively. And the Raiders secondary is one of the worst secondaries in football. So for me, it's super easy just to move off the Texans and go to the jets wide receivers. Yeah,
2: and uh, the Rams wide receivers are going to be pretty popular, but I don't think they're going to be as popular with Kyler. I think people are going to play golf. I never like playing golf. I'll have a little golf, Uh, I'm sure, by the time it's all said and done, but I imagine I'll be underweight on golf, overweight on Kyler, but bringing back Woods, Cup, and possibly Reynolds as well. Reynolds' uh, numbers are also decent. Um, yeah, so um, Devontae Adams, are you playing a lot of Devontae? Any Devontae?
3: Yeah, I'll have uh, probably, he's in one of my two um, and I'll probably end up with two out of four, so 50% of three max single entry.
2: Uh, DJ Shark is interesting to me as a bring back in that um in that game, Uh, the one with uh, Minnesota, because I'm going to, you know, I I like the Vikings and I will even force probably a little bit of Keelan Cole. Um, I don't know, Mark. Uh, (laughs) I'm looking for other names. Some people are on Devante Parker with Fitz. I I don't have any of that right now. Um, It could happen. It happened last year. Um but I, I don't know. Uh but that's really it for me at the wide receiver position. Um anyone else for you? Uh
3: those are the big ones that I wanted to talk about. Uh there's a lot of kind of fringe plays that you can obviously mix in an MME, but those are the big ones.
2: At the tight end position, uh I'm not showing a lot of ownership for him. Uh, right now, but I expect ownership for Anthony Ferkser at 2,500. He is by far the best play uh, from a numbers perspective, chance of hitting target. Uh, Jordan Aikens is not bad. Kyle Rudolph, not bad. Mike Gesicki, not bad. But it's another ugly week at the tight end position, Mark. Oh, yeah,
3: 100%. And I I might go 4-4 Ferkser. Um, don't uh, asterisk. I don't know if I would recommend that. It depends on your style of play. Uh, but yeah, with the absolute just dearth of options at the tight end position this week, uh, I will elect for the savings on a player who can't crater my lineup at 2,500. Uh, you know, a, a terrible game from Ferker would be something like six, seven points, uh, and even then, I'll take the close to 3x multiplier and move on. Um, I'll throw out a name, Zach Ertz. Um, he's
2: probably not going to get a full workload, but at 3,900 Zach Ertz, that's something I don't know that any of us expected to see this year. Um, also no ownership. Um, it's a bet on talent that might not be there anymore. Um, but, um, you know, again, in, in a, in a, in a week where there's so little, um, projected good plays at the position, Uh, I think Zach Ertz, um, you know, has a better chance of hitting 20 points perhaps than the numbers will um, say. Um, I'm going to duck now. Um, All right, let's move (laughs) over to defense. And uh, what are your thoughts
3: there? Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty clear for me in my mind that the far and away best defensive unit this week is the Seahawks at 3,300. Um, we have some, you know, people are going to pay up for the Dolphins. People are probably going to play the Seahawks. They're not going to be in, you know, under the radar play, but in a vacuum, the, the top on a paper play this week is the Seahawks for me. Okay. I haven't spent too much time yet on
2: this, um, but I would say from a... You know um, the Dolphins. I think at 4,400 are so expensive that you're not going to see a lot of ownership. And I think um, pairing Gaskin with the Dolphins, as I mentioned, is not bad. I think the Vikings are a little sneaky. I, I like your call on the Seahawks. I think the Rams at 3,200 is kind of interesting and uh, same, with, any, same with
3: the cardinals on the other side of that game
2: yeah and then um you know tennessee against baker mayfield you know baker is and you know baker's always able to throw a dog in there and same with kirk cousins the jaguars at 2k but yeah um i haven't spent a lot of time on that yet but um any, uh, you know it, uh, if you have four teams are you going to have four seahawks That's not like you. Uh,
3: No, I I have no problem, especially on defense, where I feel I have a greater edge than the field at identifying the true top plays in a vacuum. Uh, I have no problem going 4-4 or, or, you know, 100% of however many lineups I'm putting in. Right now the Seahawks are in the two lineups that I have built, and I'm not sure yet where the other two are going to go. But I wouldn't be surprised if I do end up with 4-4. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to take one
2: more look while you're still here. See if I could throw something at you. Ah, I forgot to turn that off while I was getting, well, I guess he's here. Uh, Mark, uh, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let Lex be more and we'll see you next week, bud. Thanks brother. We'll see you guys. Good luck with, uh, good, good luck with the, uh, the baby and the dog and your wife not killing you for everything and uh, <laughs> you know uh, the woman the woman tell her that I said she is a saint. She is a saint.
3: Tori tooth is a saint.
2: All right, buddy. Love See you guys. and you have a good week. See you, man. All right. All right, Lex. You there? I am here. All right. did um, you get to Lex, it. Po- Let's pull to high low. Uh, talk about uh, now is that you, you, your first thing here is Car versus Aguilar and rugs. Um, is Agalor even playing?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, that was basically, I, I kind of put slash rugs, like kind of depending on, you know, maybe like if Aguilar is playing or not, Um the, the guys that I put in here mostly just because like I, I tend to side with a lot of the guys that JM has hit on kind of in the player grid and that you and how are talking about, but I thought it was worth just kind of mentioning some of these other guys that just sounded interesting um, based on what I was looking at. And um, the reason I put those guys in there is because uh, New York jets have been just getting absolutely smashed. I mean, they've allowed seven of their 11 opponents to score over 30. Um, Las Vegas has one of the highest totals on the slate and um we we've we've seen the quarterbacks against the Jets are averaging 291 yards a game. And Hey, hey I check, know that check the your, Raiders are
2: Lex, check your DM. All right. I'll yeah. be back in a minute.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so, so they the so quarterbacks are averaging 291 yards a game. Um, we know that the Raiders are more likely to obviously they want to lean towards a run, but without Jacobs, um, now, certainly Booker is going to get carries, but if we are playing for a scenario where maybe he's not as successful or they lean more towards the pass um, just without Jacobs in there, uh, the Jets have been to act absolutely smashed on deep balls, and that's where Carr is actually graded elite um, in all areas of the field by PFS um, on 20-plus yard throws. Um, Aguilar and Ruggs have been his most common targets on those. Um, so I, I kind of just like the idea of maybe one of those guys, like, hitting on a couple big ones and – um at a you know cheaper price and um getting maybe getting some leverage off of Devonte booker scoring the touchdowns for them um another pairing that i thought was interesting just because obviously the talk is most of the time just about dalvin um but if you're playing for a scenario um the vikings have the highest total on the slate and uh cousins has barely been getting talked so obviously because for good reason most of the time they're going to run 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 but uh Cousins has 36, 30, and 45 pass attempts in the last two weeks. Now, some of that is obviously game flow. I think they were trailing in some of those games. But um, Jacksonville has allowed five QBs to throw for 300-plus yards, and eight of them have scored two-plus touchdowns in 11 games. Jacksonville has allowed a 100-yard receiver in seven straight. Those, those receivers have 33, 17, 25, 24, 28, 26, 31 DK points. So receivers are absolutely smashing versus Jacksonville secondary right now. And every time Cousins has had a big game, he's carried one of the receivers with him, uh, whether that's uh, Dalvin or Jefferson. The Minnesota trio has had one game where they failed um, as a unit all season. Um, At least one of them has put up a big score in every single game other than the one. Um, So if you're playing off, you know, Dalvin maybe not being as healthy, Um, if he's struggling more on the ground, the Jaguars maybe play the run better like they did against Derrick Henry and Tannehill had a big game. Um, I think that the passing game for Minnesota is one to look at. I think Rudolph, too, is interesting, obviously, with Irv Smith out. Um, and he's obviously way cheaper as a tight end. But the two receivers are interesting just because Jacksonville is just getting beat up so bad. And um, the Vikings, you know, right now, Vegas has them as the highest total on the slate. And then the last guy I thought was interesting just to mention on here, um, just because, I, especially because I, I know I just heard Hilo talking about Carson. And I like Carson, too. Uh, it's Seattle has a 2019 total. I think maybe that's the second highest on the slate. Um, we've seen Bradbury kind of slow down a lot of the best perimeter receivers in the league this year. And um, Lockett's, you know, games where he's actually outgained Metcalf are the ones where Metcalf's been slowed down by Peterson or Ramsey. Um, last year, uh, in a game against Carolina, Metcalf was mostly matching up with Bradbury, and he only finished with two catches for 36 yards. And that game Lockett had eight for 120 and a touchdown. Um, So I just think that that's an interesting way to maybe play off. Like if the touchdowns come through the air, Metcalf is, you know, dealing with Bradbury, not to say that Bradbury maybe contains them fully, but a lot of times Seattle, you know, Russ can just take what he's given and Lockett certainly has a much easier matchup in their passing game. Um, So, yeah, those are the guys I wanted to mention. They're all on super high team totals, um, different from the guys that are, you know, generally being talked about. Um, Obviously, you know, Minnesota is an obvious one, but, um, I just thought that, that those passing games all were worth mentioning. You there, Todd? Um, I guess one other thing I, I could mention, too, is the same goes for the Tennessee passing game. Um, Cleveland has kind of been, had a numbers boost a little bit recently by the, the win game, and now they're missing like their top safety, Ronnie Harrison, Denzel Ward is out. I think maybe even Greedy Williams is out. They get Garrett back to their pass rush should be a little bit better. Um, but with such a um, targetable <clears throat> secondary, um, if you're playing for a scenario where maybe Henry isn't putting up as big of a score, Tennessee has had a big score. in basically every, I mean, I think a 20 plus point score has come out of Tennessee's offense in every single game except for one. Um, so, you know, you could play for a scenario. They have one of the higher team totals on the slate and, um, so, you know, one of AJ Brown or uh, Corey Davis could have a big game through the air.
2: All right. So, did you do cousins with Jeff and Thielen?
0: Yeah, I, I hit on them all. All the ones. Um,
2: I really like. Uh, thank you for holding the fort for me. Um, I like. Okay. I like the locket play, and I like the um, uh, the Jefferson and Thielen play. I think those are good. And uh, if you were listening to the pod,
0: very big on Tannehill this week. Yeah, no, and like I was just saying, I, I like all of those guys. I think all of them have at least a little bit of leverage off of someone else like a Dalvin or a Derrick Henry or a, you know, Devontae Booker, those types, Metcalf and Carson. So, yeah, I just thought all of them are worth mentioning. All are in really high total offense this week and kind of a weird slate. Gotcha. Uh, give us one more. Uh, pick, pick something out of the hat. Out of the hat, let's see. Um... I I think one of the Colts running backs is interesting, one of the guys to play on the ground, just because Houston has allowed 100 more rush yards than any other team so far. Like, they've just been getting absolutely rolled on the ground. And I think it's a great spot for a Taylor, maybe a Wilkins, obviously. You know, that's part of the uncertainty in that backfield for sure. But, um, you know, the the matchup just sets up so well for one of them to kind of take control and just run on them. If you're playing, you know, for maybe Houston struggling a bit more on offense with – you know, losing their, you know, passing game weapons, um, and it could be harder for them to stay on the field. So I like the idea of one of those Colts running backs kind of just taking up, you know, a lot of the usage and rolling over Houston all day. Got it.
2: All right. Uh, one more.
0: One more. Let's see. What, what can I get you? What can I um, – uh, okay. I, I guess to to go back on, like, what we kind of highly talked about, the like Michael Thomas thing on the opposite side of that Atlanta stuff, he has the highest uh, weighted opportunity rating in the NFL in the last two weeks. And it's by a lot. Like that's how much Taysom has kind of looked for him. Um, his area share is 76% right now. And like Sanders had a deep touchdown called back that might not be being accounted for in that. But either way, he's been the first read on most of their plays and Taysom has looked for him a ton. Atlanta has been, though they've been improving, they've still been getting hit by receivers like all year. Um, it, it could be in garbage time or a normal game script. So, I don't know. I, I like the idea of Thomas still as a comeback, especially if you're kind of targeting the way Hilo is with the, you know, the the Matt Ryan, the Calvin Ridley side.
2: All right. That was more of Lex than what we normally get. Thank you, Lex, for uh, extending a little bit. And that is going to do it for the Lex is more segment. We'll see you next week, bud.
0: Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Have a good night.
2: Great. Great. Uh, All right. So I am very excited about this next segment. I think I've told this story before. I'm an old guy. I'm 58. And in the late 60s is when I started watching football for the first time. And it was my mom, not my dad, who we would sit around and listen to on the radio. Because back then, uh, the home games were uh, you couldn't get the home games. They were blacked out. And so I've always had this feeling for women in sports because of the fact that, you know, my mom was the one who got me into football as much, if not more than my dad. I would say definitely more. And over the last 20 years, when I started fantasy in 1999 there was a couple uh, females who were part of the main group that I was back on ant sports. Um, I supported them then. Um, but now you're really seeing a huge influx of women, not only playing fantasy football, but doing content and doing it very well. And there are some definite benefits that I see that go on for women And there are some really bad negatives. So what I really wanted to do was invite a couple um, women on the pod. And I am feeling very blessed to have two, kind of my first two draft choices. One has been on my pod a couple times, Rosalie Michaels. You can find her at Rosalie Michaels on Twitter. Uh, She is the fantasy girl. And the other is Sam R. Holt. I think I got that right. Ladies, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Tom. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah. It, it, which which name is that?
1: Oh, sorry. This is Sam.
2: Oh, hi Sam. All right. Why don't you give us your Twitter uh handle in case I butchered it?
1: No, you got it right. It's, uh, when I made it, I was like, I guess I'll just use my regular name instead of something else. And now I looking back, I'm like, that's kind of boring. I should have done something fun. But my Twitter handle is at Samantha R. Holt. R is my middle initial for Ray, actually.
2: Okay. And Rosalie, are you there? Rosalie? I'm not hearing Rosalie. She's open, but I'm not hearing her. Rosalie, I am going to try and call you back. And while I call you back, I'm going to interview Sam a little bit. And do you prefer Sam (laughs) or uh, Samantha?
1: Actually, yeah, everyone calls me Sam. So Sam is perfect. Thank you, Todd.
2: Yes. Believe it or not, I I run a carpet cleaning business, and I was looking for a helper. And my helper... um, uh, i have a, a a guy who does uh installs for At the me tone.
4: please record your message when you have finished uh-huh. recording you may work. hang up or press. Uh. all
2: right we'll try we'll try Rosalie back in a couple minutes uh let me send her a quick sure. tweet and worse comes to worse we'll just go it alone sam no worries, no worries all right. So um, it's kind of a funny story. So he recommended a friend, and he goes, do you mind hiring a woman? I said, no, I don't mind hiring a woman. I said, (laughs) you know, it's a pretty physical job. Would she be okay with that? And he goes, well, I've taken her on a couple jobs as a helper for me, and she's really strong and a really great person. And so I ended up hiring her, and her name is Samantha, and I call her Sam. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so that uh, that's a little bit of synergy. So uh, you got a, a major call out a couple days ago with um, Matthew Berry. Um, tell us a little bit about your history and, you know, how that whole thing came about. I think I also saw that you had him on your podcast, too.
1: I did. I'm I'm really really lucky um, in that I've gotten to chat with and get to know Matthew um, on a couple occasions. Uh, a couple years back, I was um, when they were doing um, you know the listeners leagues on Fantasy Focus. Um, I was in one of their women's leagues, and I did not win that league. I was terrible in that league, but somehow by magical happenstance, it was a very communicative league, and uh, the women that I was in there with we all got along great and had a friendly banter Uh, and then I got along well with um, Matthew and Daniel and you know hit it off kind of on Twitter and said they said hey you know if you're ever in the area just you know feel free to swing by and I was like well I'm in California but I will make myself in the area so I went out and I got to visit with them and um, you know check out behind the scenes at ESPN and they were just super cordial and super friendly with me and they were just fantastic. And I mean, that was kind of my first like real opening into like getting a search for learning more about, not just because I was already a fantasy football fan, but like wanting to know more about the space and, you know, kind of get more into behind the scenes and writing and analysis and learn more about it. So, you know, obviously I definitely uh, read and um, reread Matthew's book fantasy life and it just it really spoke to me and just uh, how he was able to take something that he loved and make it his career. And obviously all of the um, the difficulties that he faced and how he was able to overcome them. And, you know, I faced a lot of different adversity in my personal life as well. And so I, I found a connection to that and I just found a connection in, in football and my love for fantasy. So I just was so inspired by him and he was, he's always just been very encouraging and supportive of all females in the space. And so to me, you know, having that kind of encouragement was like, okay, I I think I can do this. And, you know, you write a couple articles and then I got some other people's interest and now I'm podcasting multiple times a week and it's all kind of a blur, but it's been a really fun and wonderful um, experience and growth into, into this whole community.
2: Yeah, and and we'll get to uh, the podcast that you do and who you co-host with uh, in a little bit. I I, I do want to interject that I started podcasting after going to a Roto Grinders event a few years back where Matthew was the uh, key keynote speaker. And what really pushed me over the edge to do it was he said, look, if you think you can do this, just do it. And if you're good, someone will notice. And I, you know, and that legitimately was what also pushed me to start podcasting. You know, I was probably 54, 55 at the time. You know, it's pretty much a young man's game and the people who are my age who do it or people who have been doing it for quite some time. Um, But, you know, I've, uh, I've carved out a little bit of a something for myself as well. So, You know, thank you, Matthew Berry. Uh, We do have Rosalie. Rosalie, can you hear us?
4: I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. So
2: uh, we we got to know Sam a little bit. And even though you're the returning champion, uh, you and I have podcasted twice before. Uh, This is a different group that's listening, the one week season group. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your journey?
4: Well, hey, everyone. Hey, Sam, too. Good to see you again. Yes. Love <laughs> so to Sam and to you I <laughs> chatted a little earlier today, so, uh, so we're having a little girly day today. Um, so I am Roslyn Michaels. i mm-hmm. the Fancy Girl, and uh, I am most known for my appearances and my analysis on DraftKings' show The Sweat. Where we talk DFS So we do talk a little bit about season long too And just fantasy in general
2: Yep And uh, and you know If you want to learn more about Rosalie I interviewed her in depth um, You can go to uh, my iTunes link And uh, we had two Very very good interviews uh, and, and the the real striking Thing to me Was You know one of the knocks That I hear about from guys towards females is that they, you know, they, they count on their looks and they don't, um, they don't, you know, do the work, which to me is the most insulting thing in the world. And it just was such a joy for me, Rosalie, to hear you just rattle off numbers way better than I ever could.
4: it. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. I know you're really good, too, Todd. So, <laughs> you know, it, but, you know, it is. It, and then I think Sam will back me up on this. When you are a female coming into a, a traditionally male-dominated role, you you better know your stuff plus. Right. You have to have more than that. And especially if you are a a, a semi decent looking person, you know, aesthetically, you're going to need to know it even more because they are going to discount you on that. I'm a blonde and I've been discounted my entire life because I'm a blonde. And granted, you do get some some privileges that come with that as well. Um, but for somebody that prides themselves in a good work ethic and hard work and, and knowing what you're talking about and, and being smart, you know, not going against the uh the, the dumb blonde narrative, which you know, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> but <laughs> the, 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 the the not only the women well, especially uh, in the space.
2: I'll jump in I'll jump in. You know, a lot okay. of stereotypes are based in truth, but not because all blondes are dumb, but because, you know, there were men who that's what they wanted yeah. and that's what yeah, they that's chose, right? Like,
0: you yeah. know, the,
2: the, 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 blonde weather woman or the, the, you know, who, what, what, you know, those, those were people that were chosen for those roles. You know, they could have found really smart women, you know, even yeah. back yeah. in the day to, to do yeah. those roles. So it it came about, you know, and and it's like like most uh, true things. There's also another story to it uh, that, you know, most people won't tell you. But I want to get Sam's view on that uh, on that uh, as well. As far as do you find that people that you have to prove yourself more than the average guy just to get the same amount of credit?
1: Um, I, for me, I, I kind of go back and forth because, I, I mean, in my professional career, my job, my day-to-day job, I, I'm a graphic designer. I run a design team for a health and fitness company. And even just getting to where I'm at in my career and previous jobs, I can say that on multiple occasions from um, my male peers or bosses, I've heard the phrase, you're smarter than you look multiple times mm-hmm. in a way so mm-hmm. frequently that I'm like, you know what, that's a great title for my autobiography. If I ever came out with one, <laughs> I would title my autobiography smarter than, smarter than You Look because it is something that I think even if – someone finds you mildly attractive and you say something that's either witty uh, or a quick witting joke or, you know, just something intriguing they're not expecting, you're going to get that side look of like, oh, you have something important to say. And then it's like, yes, of course I have something important to say. I'm, I'm definitely more than just a shiny object sitting here. Um, but I I feel like when it comes to football in particular, um at least for me, I have been. I feel like I've been very lucky, and I haven't had too many negative experiences, and so I'm going to be – it's probably going to sound a little naive to say that. But on the other hand, I feel like there will be times when I'm rattling off numbers or talking about different things with my co-hosts, and then, you know, we do everything live. So you get these live comments of everyone interjecting and asking questions, and then you'll see a series of intelligent questions, and then you see one comment float through that's just completely, like, degrading or about – you know, my appearance or, you know, has nothing to do with football and is more, you know, trying to get holler at you in the comments, so to speak. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. can we just focus on what we're talking about and not be on that for five seconds? It's, it's just, it's, well, they say that men
2: think of sex like every 30 seconds, but just because you think of it, it doesn't mean you have to say it. You know, yeah. It, yeah it, you know, it, 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 it's like you know, there's a filter that most of us have, and the point yeah. I want to make here as a man is, you know, treat treat women like you know, if you don't have a sister, you have a mother, and yeah. you know, think what what you would want someone to say to your relative. But it does, it, yeah. it, it really is uh, one of the downsides. Uh, and the other thing I want to talk about when it comes to that is people act like men don't get ahead because of their looks.
0: Absolutely. And, well, and I think that.
4: As, yeah, go ahead, go Rosalie. Ahead,
2: sorry, Sam. No, Ro- no Rosalie then Sam. I'll give you both a <laughs> okay. chance. Go Rosalie. <laughs> yeah,
4: I think when it comes to men, it's just, it's, we expect, as a society, we expect men to have, to, to get by based on their accomplishments, not their looks. And we expect women to get by on their looks, not on their accomplishments. Now, that's not saying that's, that's the right way. I think that's just the way traditionally things have gone. You know, for women, you know, up until, you know, what, the last 30, 40 years or so, your job, you know, your purpose in life was to get married and have babies. And you, so being attractive was really the only, you know, gift you had to the world, the only contribution you had to the world up until that point. And then when women started wanting to have careers, to make differences in the world, to to change kind of that role in society, That's that's when it changed. But it was always, you know, men men were valued for their accomplishments. Women were valued for their looks.
2: Yep. Sam, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I agree with that uh,
1: completely. And I think, you know, it goes back to uh, just these roles that people expect, um, you know, men and women to have even in the dynamic of being in the sports space, Rosalind and I were talking earlier about how now it's kind of more common or it feels safer, I think, for men when women are um, the moderator on a show and you've got the men that are being a bit more, Mm -hmm. um, you know, louder, verbose, you know, argumentative with each other and then it's the woman's job to calm them two down and say, okay, now let's get to the next segment. But um, we both feel like, you know, it's it's we have as women, we have so much more to say that we're not getting the opportunity to say. Like, there's more that we could be doing instead of just being the moderator and I, I'm almost like the host of the party. Which, yes, I'm sure we all mm-hmm. both host fantastic parties. I'm, I haven't been to one of your mm-hmm. parties, Rosalie, but I'm sure that they're fantastic. I mean, oh, I'm just are, saying, I know that we've got more to bring to the table. <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly.
2: <laughs> See, that's an I'm angle. i better guest. That, uh, I, I, I would be honored to be at either of your parties. Um, uh, you know, I'd be the guy in the corner talking about old music um, and and and, and, every, and bad puns, and you know, it would it would clear up pretty quick. Um, but you know, I, I feel like that is a point that I hadn't thought of, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't prep too much for this because I wanted this to be about your experiences rather than me dictate everything. And that, that is a very, very true point. Like I see these women on, you know, almost every football show now has some really attractive woman doing exactly what Sam just said. And it it is, it's a little offensive because You know, it's like if she is good enough to be there, she should be allowed to do more than just get you from segment to segment. And and look, it's a good role. It's a good job. But I think you hit on a deeper vein here where, you know, when can we get to the point where women, you know, um, who's the guy that's on the NFL network? He's got kind of a Jewish name. The morning show. I think his name oh, starts with.
4: An S. Uh, you're talking about. Um, well, you're talking about on um, Good Morning Football. Yeah. You're talking about. So it's it's Nate and. Um, it's, gosh, why can't I think not, of his name right not now? Not Kyle. Hey, I, the other. No, not Kyle. You're talking about. Why can't I think um Oh, gosh, I watch it every day, and that now Peter, <laughs> I know, I'm drawing a blank
2: Sheeter.
4: as well. Sh- snagel, schlegel <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, gosh, why can't I remember? Uh, it's Nate Burleson, Kyle. Hold on, and I'm going to K look Adams. it up. Yeah. There's, this new, thing, no, there's but... this
2: new thing called Google.
1: I know, I I think, yeah. I, I feel like. But it's good. It's good to stretch your brain to try and get it out before Googling. I feel like I'm getting it is, worse it at is, you know it is. relying yeah, on Peter Googling.
2: Schrager. <laughs> I was close. It was Schrager, I was like Schriegel, Schrager, Yeah. right? Like like yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, he's not the most attractive guy. He's there because he's got football, right? That you know that yeah, his thing, yeah. right? Like yeah, but yeah, you You mean stuff. to t- yeah, you, you know? I would does. love to see. I would love to see you know a woman like i don't watch i don't watch too many shows because i i my head kind of gets I, I my eyes glaze and my head fogs over when i when I watch too much television but but it would be nice to see a woman get that role and uh well, and who knows maybe though, one of I, you two sorry. will be that yeah well I'll
4: tell you Kate. Okay? What they've done with Kay Adams, they've kind of transitioned her and, and have done a really good job. I have to give the NFL Network big props um, because they have transitioned her to being more of an expert. In fact, you know, they, they're doing here's who she likes fantasy-wise because they talk about. So they've really kind of given her that fantasy um, expert kind of role within that as well as being you know the lead host on that show, so they they are that she is the one that I'm seeing more and more do that. You know they've got Cynthia Frayland over there who does the uh, she's got the computer program that will tell you which players are going to uh, to to score the most points as well. So there are some female analysts out there, and they are doing more and more. And I see, you know, obviously, you know with Again, with DraftKings, I mean, I am a female analyst. I'm not a host. I'm not somebody that's there to moderate it. They do have two great hosts on the sweat, both Jesse and Emerson. Love them both. Uh, and Jesse is, is a female, and she's fantastic. Emerson is a male and also fantastic. But, the, you know, the rest of the analysts are men, and then me. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though. The, the industry has been really great in opening up to the, to the female voice. And wanting to hear more of it, you will have you know people that are kind of old school and don't can't hear the female voice, and that's okay. If that's if that's their choice, that's perfectly fine. But I'm, I am seeing more and more people open up to that female voice and understanding that we know what we're talking about. We do the work. You know, people always excuse me about my binder and and my you know how, how much preparation that I'm doing but I love that that's that's where you get the good that's why you can go toe-to-toe with the best in the business and 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 feel good about it because you're not going to be right I all the that. time this isn't a perfect science you know it's, it's, it's not a perfect science we, look we all, if you're we, like we all make mistakes. Of the time yeah exactly we all but, make mistakes you're prepared
2: and, 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 yeah. and just the fact that you feel the need to even say that, you know, shows that there is a certain pressure, right? Because all that matters Mm -hmm. is that that you are doing the work to the best of your ability. And, and, and that you're all, you don't, you know, to be a winning fantasy football player, you don't have to get everything right. You have to get more things right than your competition does. Um, But it made me think of, uh, you know, because uh, Rosalie has also done some acting and You know, uh, I want to talk about the old boys network. And it's not just in sports, Rosalie, and it's not just Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And we know what everyone went through in Hollywood and and all the exposés of the poor behavior that came out recently. Um, But Mm -hmm. we even see it in NFL coaching where there are certain mindset, an old mindset that just is locked in a, in a past generation and refuses to learn. Uh, do you want to uh, t- t- touch on that a little bit?
4: On the, on the old boys network of, of in, in the and just that in the mindset. industry in general. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, 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 and how it's affected your uh, career path. Yeah.
4: Well, and it is, it, it's, still that way in a lot. It amazes me, you know, when I hear stories still. And you mentioned, you know, that you know, you, you think about your brother, your sisters, you think about your mothers, you think about your daughters. But you know what, you just gotta remember we're human beings. You treat us like you do treat you know, you're anybody else, we're, you know, human beings. And and I'll say, it, for the most part, people really do. But you still do see people that want to keep women in a particular box. And with the, the acting world and the entertainment world, I was pretty lucky, you know, in, in most of the things that I was um, exposed to. Most people are, are very great. I did a, a movie with Will Ferrell and Steven Root. And I've i I've, I've worked with um, you know great directors that everybody would know and Oscar winning actors and pretty much everybody is really really great. Um, I do remember one time where I had a uh, it was after we wrapped a film and there was the wrap party that they have after after the film is done and the producers were there and. I remember that the producer was trying to get me to go to the Emmys with him. And when you're a woman in this situation, you don't feel as though you can just flat out say no, right? No, what do you, ew, no. This is, I'm not a, you know, because he, he joked about it, and then I was like, ah, that's funny. And then he was like getting real serious about it. And like, you should you should be going to this with me, almost in an intimidating way. And I tend to use humor and uh, my blonde hair to, <laughs> to diffuse situations. Uh, you know, there's sometimes where I do play dumb, where I'm just like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'll move on. But in this particular case, I used humor, and I just looked at him, and I go, your wife would kill you if you took me to the Emmys. And he just laughed, and he was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Which was me saying, you know what, you're a married man. Don't be an idiot. This is not okay. You know, but I did it in a way that wasn't offensive to him, which is what we as women, and as I know which Sam back me up on this.
2: It's, it, this it's it's really it's hard to do we've
4: learned yeah we've learned how to do it our entire lives it's something you are inundated with your entire life and and if you're smart and you 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 learn how to balance it so that that you get out of those situations and it's something that shouldn't happen it shouldn't have to happen i shouldn't feel that way right um that's where the whole Upward is coming from. It's not okay to treat a person like that. You're a married man. I am not interested. Clearly, I'm here working for you. This is not okay. But he still felt like it was his right and privilege to do that.
2: Yep. And so I, uh, you know, this is a, a sensitive subject, but I, I'm, I've never been afraid to tackle sensitive subjects. And, you know, I've always I've had a number of women on my podcast right from the beginning, you know, for the mm-hmm. reasons that I laid out when I started the show today. Uh, and it's the reason I wanted to do this. And and one of the women that I've had on my pod and I've, you know, I won't say friendly, but, you know, I, we've DM'd a couple times about football. And she mm-hmm. joked on Twitter a few times that her DMs are like a war zone. And so I, I mm-hmm. I'll start I'll start with Sam and then we'll go to Rosalie, and I I don't want war stories, but what I what I would mm-hmm. like you to lay out is, you know, just your thoughts on being hit on, you know when you know and, and and like I mean we're all human beings we all have attractions there's nothing wrong with asking a girl out if you're attracted to her, but. You know, you just don't drop into someone's DMs and and just drop a bomb out of nowhere either. Um, so yeah. I, I kind of left a, a wide area there, Sam. Um, do you want to talk about that a little? Oh, you don't have to if you don't want to.
1: Absolutely, no, no. I've I've got I've got the perfect thing for this, and uh, it's funny because I talked with uh, the guys on my podcast about this before, and I it's just a piece of advice I have for sliding into DMs just in general for men or women, I think, too. Um, to me, you kind of take sliding into a DM. No like woman has ever
2: slid into walking. my DMs and hit on me. I will just say that.
1: <laughs> well, well, this, this advice, I think, goes for, for all people. But to me, I mm-hmm. treat it like you would when you're walking into a room that's got multiple people. Now, maybe this room has people that know each other, and maybe this room has Strangers and, you know, people are just milling about and talking amongst themselves. But imagine you're walking into this room and you open the door and you say what you're thinking in this DM out loud. How would you feel saying that out loud so that not only does the person hear it who it's directed at, but others hear it? Now, taking that piece of advice and applying it to writing something down into a direct message would you then say that same thing out loud and, Oh, that's embarrassing and might color me in a inappropriate light. Then you maybe shouldn't say it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and what I think, I mean, I think those type of guys who do that, you know, they do it for a reason. I'm not going to get into that kind of analysis here, but I -hmm. think the larger point is if you find a female attractive and you would like to get to know them on a basis that's that that's deeper than just football being rude and inconsiderate and doing what you kind of alluded to there is not going to get you what you want. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I just, I can't imagine the girl who's just sitting there waiting for some guy to drop into her DM and say, Hey babe, how about it? You know, I, I, it, yeah, I know. It, it, it's, it's not only crude and wrong, and I can't expect people who would do that to stop just because I said it's wrong. But you know, for <laughs> anybody who is attractive to uh, attracted to a girl, you know, they they you have a much better chance if you engage them and you start to try and build something in a way where it you know where you're not just jumping in and 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 like hey baby, uh, true or yeah. false yeah. there, Sam.
1: Uh, that's true but I would also say to that point and experiences that I've had specifically obviously names out the window I have had instances where I'm DMing with someone who is a peer of the fantasy football community and to me there's always that part in the conversation even in a text conversation where you're like okay well I'm going to go and continue about my day like yes it was you know oh good job on that article or whatever it is If I'm not continuing the conversation, that doesn't invite someone else to try and continue the conversation. I think there should be also a cordial amount of, clearly, I'm not trying to extend this conversation. And sometimes I feel like men feel like, oh, just because I replied to a message means that there's interest there on another level. That's not what that Mm -hmm. means. And I think there's also a really important where you have to kind of read the messages you're getting back as well. So, yes, I would I I always think that, try and be cordial and polite, but, like, right. there is a certain yeah. point where you don't need to continue.
2: Right, because, yeah. you know, you don't want to be rude and not respond. No. But, but at the same time, it, it, I think that's a great point, Rosalie, that just because uh, you respond doesn't mean you're interested in more than just saying thank you.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I've actually never heard that. I think it's fantastic, Sam. When you say, if it's not <laughs> something that you would actually say to a person in person, you know, behave online like you would in a live situation. So if you're not going to come up to a woman and, and say, hey, can I have a picture of your whatever in person, <laughs> which... I, I've been around a long time. Again, I've something that some has some never happened to stuff. me in a DM. <laughs> but I've <laughs> never, I've never had a, a person walk up to me in a live situation that I've never met and said, "Hey, send me a picture of your, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. body part is most interesting." You. you know that people are into everything, so um, you know. It, I think that's a great piece of advice that Sam said. That being said, I will tell you, I have never had this happen across any social media. And and I don't know if I'm really lucky. I mean, I'll have people who will say, hi, I think you're pretty. Those things, and, and a lot of people are are confused. They say, well, I don't know. I don't understand where the line is. And it's, you know, you, you writing to me and saying, hi, Rosalie, you know, I really enjoy your takes, you know, that's always going to be well-received. Um, even if you hate my takes, if you say, you know what, you're really fun, but you are an idiot <laughs> on on this call, I'll be like, okay, that's, that's fair. But, you know, just, you know, if, if you're just going, hey, you know what, I think you're really pretty, I just wanted to say that. Thank you, thank you. That's, that's perfectly acceptable if you do things with respect. Do things with respect. That's all there is. Um, so, but that being said, I've never had somebody be truly disrespectful via DM, and I don't know if I'm I'm really lucky. And and I'll say that in Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, Instagram, those instances I've I've never had anybody be truly disrespectful. Um, but I'll tell you where I do have people. Get disrespectful and it's weird. Is more industry type stuff. There's a, a site called Fiverr where you can hire corporate spokespeople, voiceover artists, which is another aspect of my business. I I do corporate videos. Um, I do you know qu- spokesperson videos and uh, and and voiceover work. And it's a direct hire type of of platform where people can go and and hire me to do that. I get more like. Proposals from that (laughs) than anything else. Like Twitter, the 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 fantasy football community, fantastic. I've never had an issue with anybody, but for some reason with that, it's it's strange. I'm like, this is a work platform. What are you doing? (laughs) So, well, I I I I I,
2: I don't even think that I could. You know, I don't know. All right, let's let's move on. I just the whole the whole concept of going into someone's DM that you don't know and you know I, like I, I think I probably have at some point like in a really offhanded way mentioned so that someone's attractive, but it's not the lead, right? It's not you know, hey, I think you're pretty. It's it might yeah. be you know something like where I'll go well for someone who's really pretty, you know. Uh, you know, and, and you've, you know, I don't even know, I can't even remember what I might've done to be honest, but um, the, the the main point guys is if you're not sure, don't. And yeah, that's a great uh,
1: rule.
2: You, you know, and if, and, and, you know, w- women are pretty amazing these days. Uh, you know, uh, they have ways of letting you know that they're interested in you also. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that th- th- there's that as well. So, Sam, anything else you want to add on that subject? And then I think I want to turn this back into a football conversation.
1: Sure. Yeah. I will. I will just say to to button it up. You know, to to Rosalie's point. You know, if if someone says, oh, you know, I love that take, and you know, just you know, just to be, they're just trying to be polite, and they say, oh, and, you know, and, you know, I just have to say, you're really pretty, and then you say, the the polite response that we give is, oh, thank you. I think that if you get the thank you, you can. Leave it at that. I think when you pursue that conversation and you don't get anything more than a thank you back, then that means um, oh, you know,
2: that's great. That, that that's should be great. the end of that
3: sub- subject.
2: Right, because mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of you know a lot of times in in my life, you know, you will get if you mention it, you, you'll you'll you know you'll get. Well, you're not so bad looking yourself, right? And that's sure. You know that that then you still have a decision to make you know, whether they were just being nice or it was an open door, but at least you're, you know, like if you're thinking about, are you in the game or are you on the bench? You know, when someone yeah. says, says thank you and leaves it there, you're on the bench. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, much. and if someone returns the compliment, well, I would say that, you know, you might not have the ball in your hands, but at least you're on the court.
1: That's definitely a good way to look at it. Absolutely.
2: All right. Um, any, uh, again, before we go on to, to you know, I want to get your takes on football and the work that you do. And, uh, but before we do that, I, I do want to ask, is there any other challenges that you feel that women go through? And I, I'll throw it to Rosalie first, that, that, that you find unfair or that you just would like to bring to light. And, and, and no is a perfectly acceptable answer.
4: You know, this is an interesting question because it's that you say you find unfair. I don't, I don't know that anything, I don't look at anything as being unfair because I expect it. Um, I expect to get pushback and, and I'm okay with getting pushback because I know that I know my stuff but i I expect that the pushback is going to be there, um, but I think that that men get the pushback too. You know, everybody in the fantasy football community we we we're expected to know it all, and we talked about this a little bit. We're expected to be right all of the time. so I guess if if there was something that I would consider unfair. Is that if we as women are wrong, as we're bound to be periodically? Uh, <laughs> you never mentioned it. <laughs> never mentioned it.
2: Um, we're bound to it. be
4: periodically. It, it's taken a little bit harsher than if a male analyst is wrong about something. It's like, oh, see, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She was wrong. Yeah. She said that, that's, her yeah. Karen that's a- Waller last week again that great, uh, you know, that great matchup. She said to start him, even though everybody else said to start Darren Waller as well, as a woman, we get um, raked over the coals about that a little bit harder.
2: All right. So let's teach a little bit there. What's, what's fair and what's not, all right? Uh, someone blows a call. Whether it's a male or a female, stick to the mm. process that got them to yeah. that call rather yeah. than yeah. just a, you know, uh, again, uh, my partner on the show uh, last week was p- uh, pushing Mike Lennon. And I just, I, mm-hmm. I just said, no, I, I, I'm i sorry. No, I, I'm not playing Mike Lennon. Uh, and Mike Lennon actually ended up playing pretty good. Uh, he just threw mm-hmm. the touchdowns to a different guy, but, you know, I think, <laughs> I think as long as someone comes back with a fact based Mm -hmm. approach as to why your take was wrong, there's a conversation to be had there. But when, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're right, this is something that's not just female oriented. This happens on Twitter constantly where everyone's right the day after. Um, it's the nature of fandom. It's the nature of, you know, uh, one thing I always said from day one, when I got into DFS was ultimately I'm the guy who clicks to put my lineup in the people who gave me advice, didn't push that button. I did. So I, I think if you want to have a discussion with an analyst about a call, make it about why it was a good call or a bad call. And typically that tends to be better up front rather than uh, back. Uh, Sam, your thoughts on that. And then also anything else that you might want to add.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with Rosalie on that. I feel like, you know, there's times, um, you know, and it's fantasy football and I think that ultimately what I think sometimes can get lost, especially at the point that we're at in the season where people are trying to make the playoffs or you know, people are making bets different ways. Ultimately, I think that this is a, it's a game. It's a, it's a hypothetical game and it's just for fun. And I think that when people forget that we play fantasy football in general for fun um, and they take it to that level of seriousness where not only are they attacking the analyst for, you know, oh, you told me to start so-and-so and so I did and now I lost and it's because of you. I agree with you, Todd, and I, it is ultimately the person's, you know, they push the button to set that lineup. But also when those those people tend to also go after the players and then they're the ones that at the players on Twitter and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's your fault. It's like, why didn't you do this? It's my fantasy team. And the players are, they're playing for their job. Their job is to win for their team. Their job is not to win for your team. Your job as a fan is to appreciate the opportunity to get to watch them play the game that they love at the level that they've been able to achieve. So I think when that gets lost, It takes away the fun for everyone because we just see someone throwing a fit in the corner on Twitter and we just have to deal with them being lumped into our group as being fantasy football fans. And then you have players that say, oh, I hate fantasy football because they're the worst fans. It sucks to get lumped into that group just because of a couple sour apples.
2: And, you know, it's funny because I don't know of, I don't know that I've ever had a woman come up to me and give me shit for a call. <laughs> that, that's just no, I mean, you know yeah. I, I i like i, I i've got a, a pretty good amount of female followers i can't ever imagine one coming up to me after the fact and giving me shit for you know steering them wrong um so uh there's that i i all right so yeah. i want to talk a little bit um and i think that's you know I mean, unfortunately, there's a a large percentage of the male population that will never get past their 13th birthday if they live to be 100. Um, But, you know, uh, I I think that for those who wanted to learn more, hopefully uh, some of these things that we talked about and got out there uh, will help you to interact uh, better with uh, And to understand better the, the female analysts out there who are trying to do the very same thing that a lot of us are. Um, I, I do want to get into, Sam, your pr- process, and then we'll get to Rosalie. Uh, you talked about your binder. Um, take us Give us the two-minute version of what a week during the season is like for Samantha Holt.
1: Um, well, I, I wish I was like Rosalie and that I had a binder that I could,
2: you know, go Oh, Rosalie was well, the binder. But I, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, my I, buy, my, I yeah. buy a lot of my stuff, uh, you know, from other websites. One Week Season, Daily sure. Roto, Establish the Run. I don't have the time to do mm-hmm. the, the, the you know, and I'm just honest about it. I my, my uh, What I'm pretty good at is interpreting things. Uh, that, I, that other mm, sure. the work that other people do, but you know, you do a podcast every week. You said multiple ones. Just give us a sense of what your weeks like. Maybe I didn't uh, put the question out there right.
1: No, no, no. You're you're good. Um, uh, for me, my process. You know, I you know always reassess my own lineups. I have about ten leagues that I'm in this season. I'm trying. I gotta say no to more leagues next year. I don't know what I was thinking. But
2: I go it through, It, it almost never you know, happens.
1: It, it never happens. I'll, I'll be in it, 20 it, next
2: it, year. It, 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 tend to, it tends to only go up until your head explodes, and then you give up all of them. Um, Pretty much. Ahead.
1: That will be the case. But, no, I mean, for me, you know, I go through all of my leagues. You know, we all see the games through the week. We see
2: who did well, who
1: did poorly, and I just kind of weigh my rankings as I go throughout the week. Like I said, I'm lucky enough to get to do this uh, kind of as my hobby. I do have my other full-time job, which keeps me busy throughout the week. So a lot of times I'm playing catch-up, you know, at the end of the night, different nights of the week, before the podcast, you know, just trying to play catch-up just like every other um, avid fan. But for me, I... Gather all of those notes across the week, and that's how I build my main lineups. And I treat everything, you know, any question I get that comes in when we're on a podcast, I treat those questions like as if the the pose, the questions being posed are on my personal leagues. So I, as soon as we get the questions, I am pulling up the analysis back and forth. I'm, I'm rooting through the problem for that person as well because I, I take my takes very seriously and I want to make sure that whatever advice I'm giving, if I wouldn't do it, I'm not going to say it out loud. I would, I'm would i only going to give you my takes on anything that I would do myself in my position if I was your league manager. So for me, that's how I kind of take it. I, I Obviously, I go to multiple different sources uh, to pull my ranks and I go back and forth. But I also just look at, you know, the season as a whole. So I always, I'm always trying to take into account – you know, how a player's progressing through the season. So we've all got our off season biases that we build up because we're hoping and getting excited for the season. Oh, we get really high on certain players. So I've got those, but then as soon as we get those real numbers and we're really getting into how the team is working out throughout the season, then I'll start making different calls when it comes to, you know what, this week, I know that the matchup is great here. However, this person's been far more consistent. I'm going to be rolling that guy out. He's higher up in my ranks. Um, it it's kind of a mixed bag for me just because, like I said, it is it is not my full time. If it was my full time, oh, my goodness, I, I would hope to have a binder just as amazing as Rosalie's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um I'm going to get back to you in a second. I want to hear more about your podcast um and where everyone can find it. But, Rosalie, let's get to your binder, your weekly process, and everything <laughs> it takes for uh, – uh besides hair and makeup. Um, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> Uh, for, for you to show up on DraftKings on Sunday?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's it, you know, I have DraftKings on Sunday, but I also am the fantasy analyst for a number of different radio stations as well throughout the week. And I do Ooh, tell us, tell also us. for the Monday. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I've got here in Phoenix, the Daily Blender with Jeffrey O'Brien on the Fanatic. I've been their fantasy analyst for the past, Five years and then I also do their sister station in Palm Springs, which is 1010 uh, KXPS. Uh, and so, yeah, so I've been a part of their fantasy leagues and also their fantasy experts. So people will text in and say, Okay, here's my start questions, and, and I'm answering those live on the air. And of course, they can always tweet at me as well. So, that what that breaks down to, and, and, and my binder goes into every aspect that I do because. I was explaining to Sam earlier that the, the daily fantasy aspect really makes you even better at season long. So I need to know, you know, what these teams are doing. What I, I, There's a number of different things that I look at. I look at their DBOA, which is a great tool that fo- Football Outsiders gives us. Um, and what it does is it shows us not only – um, the, 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 how the teams are doing and ranked in terms of their, their pass defense, their rush offense, but also how they're doing based on who they have played. So it gives you an idea of, of, of a pretty true idea of how good that aspect of their game is. So I do all that and I break down who's also rushing yards passing yards, um, you know, both on the offensive side, on the defensive side, points per game on the offensive side and defensive side. So all of those things come into play. And then I also look at another site where I get, um, you know, I, I rank, you know, who's, who's giving up the most fantasy points, the uh, top five, the least five, so that I can see how those breakdowns you know come together and i put it all together in my binder and i actually color code stuff so if it's highlighted in yellow it means it's i, good I find when you do that a lot of red, times the
2: information sinks in better
4: <laughs> it really does, just, it really does. Just, just color coding
2: it and and going through that process i think helps it to stick
4: Oh, absolutely. So like right now, I can look at my binder and I can tell you, you know, and and Sam and I were talking about Dalvin Cook earlier, this is going to be a big week for Dalvin Cook, because not only does Minnesota have the six most rushing yards, there's the sixth ranked rush DVOA, um, but You know, Jacksonville is up to fourth most fantasy points to the running back position, the second most points per game to opposing offenses, the third most rushing yards to opposing offenses, and are ranked 26th in rush DVOA. That's a monster game for Dalvin Cook. That's All right.
2: <laughs> uh and, and now everyone knows what I was talking about when I said once <laughs> Rosalie gets going, boy. Um she's a force of nature and puts in as much work as as any of us who do who who does this. Um Sam, tell us about your podcast, uh where people can find it, uh and where, you know, what you guys tend to talk about uh on your shows.
1: Sure. Well, I'm uh, very grateful to be a part of the fantasy focused family that's focused with an ED at the end um, with my my brothers in fantasy football ryan and matt bucks um i have a podcast with derek it's called the fantasy debate with sam and tate and you can find that on itunes and spotify and all places that you uh, enjoy your podcasts i'm also on with the whole crew every sunday morning to go through our start sick questions right before the game we go live at 7 a.m pacific which is very early, but I get my big cup of coffee and I get in there to answer all of our amazing fan questions. And then uh, as a result of the pandemic and COVID, I actually started a different show that I just did uh, my most recent episode with Rosalie today, which is my one-on-one whiz uh, podcast where I am just interviewing people in the fantasy football uh, community that I greatly admire and respect and just want to have a fantastic chat with them on their careers and aspects like of that. what they do yeah, I love pods I just, like I feel
2: that like... I, I, go ahead sorry no, I warned no, yeah, you about I, blog so, talk. No, we, we we end up talking <laughs> over each other go ahead
1: That's okay. No, um, I I just have always loved and grown up in an environment and a family where when, you know, we have a holiday and everyone sits around and talks. I just love to be able to sit and enjoy hearing stories back and forth from different people. So any way I can set up a platform where other people can enjoy that same similar type of experience. In a very candid way, I just wanted to create a show like that, and I've been very fortunate in having some really awesome people on my show. Like I said, Rosalie was kind enough to join me earlier for an episode, and uh, I had Matthew Berry on earlier this summer. I had Field Yates on. I had Cynthia Freeland. Um, I've had uh, Melissa Jacobs on I've had lots of amazing people on uh, for our one on one withs, and those are also on YouTube as well on the on the fantasy Focus channel, so all those are available um, to listen to anytime
2: that's awesome, Rosalie. I know that you uh, you gave up some of your time to be able to be with us i'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for uh, that i'm going to finish up with Sam for a few more minutes, but you can find Rosalie on Twitter at Rosalie Michaels. Give her a follow. Rosalie, thank you so much for coming on board.
4: No problem, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It was really, really great to uh, hang out with you again, Sam. And always a pleasure with you, Todd.
2: I'm blushing, Rosalie. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good
4: night, you- Rosalie. On Twitter, guys. <laughs> yeah. Good night, guys. So um, night.
2: I-, I wanted to ask you about your one-on-one interview, Sam. Uh, w- sure. what do, What do you What do you try and get? you know, is it, is it just more of a chat, get to know, are you trying to get to something? And, and I, you know, I, I I'm just trying to get a sense of, so we can get people excited. You know, what, what is your goal when you, when you look to interview somebody?
1: Um, Well, for me, I mean, I, well, I always interview, and uh, you can take this however, but I always interview people that I admire. Um So I'm in, For me, I just want to get to know more about their process, whether that be professionally from a work standpoint on learning how their journey got them to where they are today, or even if it's their process when it comes to fantasy analysts um, and how they get from point A to point B. When I was chatting with uh, Cynthia Freeland, she has this incredible background in mathematics. She's an incredibly brilliant woman. And so just hearing her process and how she was kind of able to take this skill set, which is, I think, a rare and amazing, beautiful gift of her with numbers and how she was able to apply that into this passion and love for football and how that formed itself into her own niche that is now very formidable and well-known in the fantasy community. So just hearing that process and how anyone takes their art.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of what I try and do when I interview I want to kind of get to a place with the person that maybe you wouldn't get on the average podcast. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing. It sounds like you're doing great work out there, Sam. Uh, I'm really honored that you decided to do this show. Uh, Thank you so much. Just tell everyone one last time where they can find you on Twitter.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me on. I think any time that we get to have an opportunity on a platform like this is is just so such a blessing and I'm just very grateful that you reached out. Um people can find me on Twitter at Samantha R. Holt. Um and again, if you guys wanted to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me there as well. I'm at Sam underscore awesome.
2: <laughs> and she is awesome, folks. Um, a, 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 a person who is heading in the right direction in this industry. We wish her all the best, Sam. Thank you again so much for being part of the run to daylight podcast on one week season. Uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Next week, we might not have a nine o'clock hour show. Um, I haven't really put much thought into it, Um but uh, this was one that I really wanted to get in before we tapered off a little bit. Uh, We've had a lot of great process interviews and uh, I know JM will be back for at least one more episode, but uh, if you guys have any ideas of anyone you would like me, you know, or there's a subject that I didn't cover on the nine o'clock hour uh, during the season, uh, let me know. And I'm always open to trying to make something happen. So That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much. And thank you very much to my two guests. They were fabulous. And um, good luck to them in everything going forward. That's going to do it, folks. Have a good night.